what scenario do you find more frightening? Mm -hmm. Signs or nope? Signs. Yeah. All day long. <laughs> I mean, it's a hard pill. Nope's freaky. You're like the unknown kind of being hunted thing. Mm -hmm. But signs are so like on the ground, like they're there, like humanoid, like stalking you thing. Mm -hmm. It's different. It's on a different terror level. It's as freaky, but just a little bit more in literally in your house type of like, oh, this is like a person that's here. Yeah. God, I love that movie so much. Me too. I, I've been talking to Kaylin about doing like a, a full like oh, season please. on like M. Night Shyamalan movies and because like I've. I really want to do one on signs. Like, I feel like, <laughs> but after all the times I've talked about signs with Abby, Kalen, and now you, I'm like, I feel like we've covered how much I love that movie. So this is just, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. What are you going to do? I mean, we talked about it earlier. Like, I have that movie as a VHS, which I do not know why my parents bought it. That's probably worth some money now, being on VHS. Yeah. And as a child, I'm just being like mind blown by these, like, split second clips of these aliens i was like scrubbing <laughs> a fucking vhs frame by frame to get back and like see the leg uh -huh. so this would be like <gasps> my parents are like oh, there it is same as the one in the movie i'm like but now it's right here and then they walk in front of the television and you're like move children vamanos <laughs> <laughs> because they could have just annihilated my imagination. <laughs> just like scratching your window. Thank God, years down the road in my early teenage years, I had such an experience with the buddy's father thanks to the movie The Descent, which I won't ever watch again for the rest of my life. We're going to get him to watch, folks. It's going to be a sizable donation from the uh, yes, Johnny Horrorheads yeah. to... Uh, to our Patreon to yes, to, there will. to <laughs> Brian to traumatize. Watch the descent. As like a thirteen year old watching that movie in theaters with my buddy and his dad, and then his dad kept us up till probably four AM haunting us through the house and tapping at the windows and making noises under the door. Okay, alright, we're good. Thank you. Triggered. That's some good parenting. Well God. Until we get the opportunity to discuss the descent, we're just gonna have to keep on discussing the Jaws cast.
Welcome back to the Johnny Jaws cast. It is me, Johnny Horror, here with my co-host, Brian Calvert, uh, making our way through Amity Island, as we are known to do, discussing all types of films that are either related to Jaws, inspired by Jaws, or directly rip off Jaws. <laughs> um, we are continuing our discussion of Nope, uh, the 2022 Jordan Peele science fiction horror film, a.k.a. Jaws on a Farm. So. I love that. Uh, we just left off having uh, dinner with the Brodies. And after dinner, I enjoy... A couple of cocktails, probably like, I don't know, six to eight cocktails after dinner. <laughs> the normal amount right. <laughs> of cocktails. Um, so, Brian and I are going to swing by the Amity Bar. So, here at the Amity Bar, we are just going to talk about, um, basically, what one does at a bar, which is drink. And, Brian, if you were going to pair an alcoholic beverage with the film Nope, what alcoholic beverage would you pair? Alright, I did not get nearly as, like, razorback creative... With this one. I, I I leaned into the film a bit. Mm -hmm. Specifically when they were drinking. And I went full blown. Otis Sr. Haywood Sr. Beverage. From the liquor cabinet. Bourbon. <laughs> I went scotch with two cubes. Nice. That was my go to. Something to sip on. Something to drink and think about. Um, all right, I felt like so it lended to the the farm itself. I almost did the exact same thing. <laughs> I just didn't know what fucking uh, you know, uh, dark liquor they were drinking there. Fair. So, but I like that you pulled scotch uh, because I feel very much like that is what Otis Senior would have. Uh, either Probably scotch not or with ice cubes, but no. Uh, <laughs> Bourbon with two cubes would it, probably be better. Is, yeah, I I feel like honestly, I feel like he's probably got like a nice whistle pig in there. If I'm uh, there, you go. Um, but what scotch would you would you choose? Did you did you decide on the scotch? Hopefully not J and B like a a, a previous <laughs> episode. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> our good, I, our good old pal McCready. <laughs> uh, it no. wasn't that bad when we. It drank wasn't. It. It was actually, I was very surprised. I was honestly. I got no problem drinking. Baby. Yeah, concerned, surprised. Uh, I don't know. Nothing off the top of my head. I was gifted some Lagavulin recently, so if I had to choose, I probably wouldn't put two cubes of ice cubes God, in it. I would it. punch you in yeah, the face if you no. did. If you're drinking something like that, you, you, you I drink hope it, you're not putting anything you in drink it. it. You, you just put it in there, a couple fingers, and mm. sit down and think about your impending doom and what's going to come <laughs> at you. You don't need ice cubes for that. That's, yeah. 
When I thought of cubes, I was thinking more bourbon. I think. Well, they it's were like also. They, I mean, they bourbon. had it on the rocks. So yeah, but it was probably a bourbon. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but I mean, I don't like my bourbon on the rocks. Like I like my tequila, like my my straight tequila on the rocks. Um, really? Yeah. I do. You open it up a little bit. Yeah. I, well, it's just like. I just enjoy tequila chilled a little bit more. Bourbon is just maybe because it is that that darker palate, you know, that brown liquor that right. I just feel like it's naturally just tastes better warm. That's um, fair. But I usually drink silver tequila typically, so yeah. Um, but you know, that's fair that's enough. a discussion for the i feel like i may get a lot of heat now for saying scotch with ice cubes but yeah you yeah. might actually that's my bad yeah kaylin is gonna listen to this and oh, he's, he's just gonna, gonna be, be fucking these, furious these <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know again like bourbon with with cubes is kind of offensive to he's me gonna be too, like, yeah, that was one of the things that stuck out to me like when they were drinking i was like they're drinking there were ice cubes straight liquor and there's ice cubes in it and i'm like it's not fucking Blanco because it's very brown. Uh, I've had bourbon with ice cubes. It's nice. Yeah, it's just like, like for me, like it waters it down too much. It does, yeah. Unless you're drinking it quick, it'll yeah. open up a little before, but yeah, yeah I mean, no matter what, it's probably yeah. gonna, it's gonna yeah. change it a bit. Yeah. Um, Caitlin just yeah. Apologies. He, he's, <laughs> I will never. He's walking around right now. He's like, Scotch with ice cubes. But fucking Lagavulin and 16 year on cubes. <laughs> no, never. 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 <laughs> because I said it out loud, Kaylin, I owe you a nice glass of scotch. No ice cubes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man you're gonna go to bed tonight and he's gonna God, pop up I know <laughs> put a pillow gonna, in his hand <laughs> 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 it's just gonna be a handful of ice cubes and he's gonna be and the, and the end of a sock I'm dipped it in scotch motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man. Oh goddamn. Uh well for myself, I uh Please, I, you go next, next. <laughs> I very much shot from the hip. I picked a bloody Maria. Not a drink mm. that I uh I would drink because I, oh, I do not, love it. I don't like um, I don't like tomato juice. I really liked it as a kid, and then one one night uh, after drinking it, I threw up. So <laughs> I'm not really a fan of tomato juice anymore. Um, but I thought a Bloody Maria works in a number of ways. Um, the whole Western vibe. I loved of, it. Of. Uh, Jupiter's claim and all that, like tequila suits that, so that's why I did a Bloody Mary yes. instead of a Bloody Mary. Obviously, we have the great sequence where the um, unidentified flying object vomits uh, blood all over the Haywood house. But what I really, what really sold me on the Bloody Maria was all the fun 
garnishes you could do with it. So what I really <laughs> oh, thought would no. be great <laughs> is that you just have like, you have your traditional like celery and then like uh, lime skewered with like an olive, but then you, you can hang like a key <laughs> from the ring off of like the skewer and then maybe like shove like a nickel into the celery. <laughs> and then you wrap like a little oh string of flags around God. the glass. That's amazing. <laughs> the, the kicker is you have like a little Put fucking, the stars across it. That's a win. You have just a little like uh, like um, model horse sticking out of the <laughs> drink. God damn. My only other option that I that came to mind was like a zombie shot because yeah. of the house. Yeah. And the way it like the rips yeah. down type of thing. But it was still, I was like, eh, it's not it quite going for it. Like, it, it does have like the color scheme, particularly if you yeah. look at the marketing material for this yeah. film. It's a lot of like bluish purple. It still just like wasn't quite on the mark. It's like, that is like overarching movie and scene, but like full blood. Uh, well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll just be dropping a bunch of ice cubes All in right. my very expensive scotch while Kaylin <laughs> beats me over the head with the empty bottle. <laughs> oh man. God damn. Well, God, I think we're we're both heavily intoxicated here at the Amity Bar. And One way about, or another. It is about time that we stumble down the road to Quint's Shack. So here at Quint's Shack, we just have a very, very brief discussion about who is the better great white hunter. So obviously we have Quint, who is our, you know, kind of Ahab stereotype, the man who's, you know, out to, to kill the great white shark, right? Um, Ahab being the, the mythical fucking insane captain who is intent on murdering the great white whale, Moby Dick, at any cost. And in this film, we have that stereotype in the character of Antler's host, who is a renowned legendary cinematographer right who dreams of getting the impossible shot um a pure cinematic bliss basically <laughs> um <laughs> antler's host is introduced early on in the picture very very early on in the picture directing a commercial for some reason yeah doesn't exactly add up given his status but <laughs> Um, is sprinkled out throughout the rest of the picture, not unlike Quint, and does become a larger role um, in the third act, mm -hmm. though certainly not as prominent as Robert Shaw's character is in Jaws. But the discussion that we're having right now is who is better at essentially accomplishing their goals 
of catching the white whale, basically. Um, so Quint, for all of his, you know, <laughs> talk and whatnot, really is a failure across the board. Yeah. Like, he is responsible for sinking the orca because of his own hubris. He can't kill the shark. He always thinks that whatever additional barrel he throws on is going to be the end of the shark, and he just can't ever quite beat yeah. the great white. Um Antlers, however, does manage to get uh, Jean Jacket on film. Yeah. Like, and right very clever with, with his device mm -hmm. that is a self-made camera that runs on film and no electricity. Old school style. Yeah, I, like, I like his vibe and everything. He's very kind of like, you know gruff and yeah, as much as LA can be uh -huh, even, <laughs> even with his fucking you know drapes and Cape. running around in his sandals and whatnot I I love his whole vibe I yeah. really really do um and so he does get that shot but it it is kind of like the moment where he's like the light like it could be better yeah basically and it's I mean, I'm guilty of this in, in my own respects of like, all right, that was pretty good. And I mean, how many times, Brian? How many times on when we were filming shit for our show, did you hear me be like, all right, that was good. Let's do one more. I want to do one more time. That was great. That was, that was perfect. That was about as good as it can get. Let's do it one more time. <laughs> I love that though. I mean, that's that's the you know the pursuit. That's why we do it. Yeah, and, and I get that role, and it's just like, oh man, it's frustrating watching it happen in in his capacity of like, no, you have it. Yeah, like like why? And you see him just charge up the hill, and you're like, you know what you're doing. It, yeah, it's and... not gonna work, but. There's a very slim chance. What are you gonna do? Let go of the camera? Like, yeah. What's what's the goal here? So I guess kind of at the end of the day, which one do you think is more proficient in accomplishing their goals? Technically, antlers. Antler. I think it's plural. Antler. Antlers. 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 Holes. Host. Host. I think technically he got the footage. Yeah. Off the hand crank. The yeah. like mounted hand crank. Yeah. I mean the he, he I mean he got the shot. He when got he gets it, sucked he up too. Yeah. I mean he gets the shot when he gets sucked up too. It's just And that's like I think I put that in uh that's in <laughs> one of my awards is is him getting sucked up feet first videotaping yeah and he still got the shot obviously he died similar to our boy but technically that first mounted shot was he, a success he does get he could have yeah. called it quits and yeah so and that is that 
footage still lives on. Yes. Opposed to what he took up with him when yeah. he did get sucked into it. But. And he does accomplish, uh, he does essentially accomplish his goal, which yeah. neither um, Quint nor exactly. Ahab yeah. actually manages to do, which is right. kill the beast. He yeah. does get that footage, which is yeah. what he sets They never saw do. the end of it. Yeah. Whereas he was there at least for, you know, what he was there to do was capture it. He wasn't and there like, to capture the destruction of it. He was there to capture yeah, it. I mean, and that it exists. Yeah. And he and did it. I do love that. Forward. I do love that bit, though, where he's just like, the light. Yeah, I was just like, oh, no. And I, and I knew exactly what was coming. I'm like, uh, at first, right out the gate, I'm like, was the sun blocking it? Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I'm like, oh, no, it's the footage ruined. They shoot mm-hmm. into the sun. Yeah. And it's like, not usable, mm-hmm. and then it's just like, no, I want to do it better. Yeah, it's like, oh, buddy, yeah, you had it, yeah, you had it. You flew too close <laughs> to the sun, literally, yep. and now yep. you're going higher. Yep, literally going higher. Prometheus. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Love I, that, I think. <clears throat> I mean, that's a great character to 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 have. Yeah, I I wish I wish I think that was one of the things that I actually talked about in my review of the movie is that I wish he was in it just a little bit more because I, I think he's a really really good character. Yeah, I think he's a really really good character. I don't know like <coughs> without <coughs> lengthening the film because yeah. I think the film is really well paced. Yes, um, agreed. So without stretching on that third act and having because he. There's no way that he fits into the rest of the story right. anymore. Um, yeah. So it is it is uh, kind of a, a catch-22. There's no real way to, to put him into the movie without ruining the movie itself. But yeah. I, I just really, really enjoy his character. Yeah, too much more of him yeah. built out adding to the movie would have been too much. Yeah. What I think would have been great would have been instead of him just being on the porch being like oh yeah i built this mm-hmm. the end would have been the scene that looked so good when they're doing like almost like the uh that 70s show of them around the kitchen table mm-hmm. when that lighting was so nice of him just being like boom on the table and being like this is what i brought to the table literally and being like it's hand crank mm-hmm. it's a knot it can't stop yeah. And like almost explaining it right there on the table. And then being like, oh shit, we have a chance. Yeah. And then it's like weighing into what it happened. Rather than this being like this off the cuff, like I'm on the porch, like, oh, I made this. And then they just like, yeah. Like, oh, it doesn't take power, sick. Oh, and yeah. it's like, yeah. That was the only thing I could have think they could have tweaked. And it would have still been like a fun <laughs> but more development without adding too much. But, you know. I also like him singing uh, People Eater a lot. Yeah, that was really fucking cool. I like that. Um, I like it in terms of like the way it plays out in the scene, but it also does kind of call back to Quint and Mm -hmm. how Quint is always singing Farewell and Adieu to Fair Spanish Ladies. Mm -hmm. Sort of like a kinship between those two. Also a little touch to like his story of his tattoo and everything Mm -hmm. like that. Like 
he is that character. We're at the table. Yeah, exactly. We're punching it in. Uh -huh. That's great. You need that, like, very distanced, gruff, I know how to do this mm -hmm. mentality. Mm -hmm. No one can really question it too, too hard. We're in desperation. This yeah. is what we're dealing with. Yeah. Here is your person. And him just rising to the occasion. Yeah. And being like, yep, this is how we're going to do it. And these are my methods. Yeah. You're on board or you're shit out of luck. When you're on my ship, I'm mm -hmm. mate, master, and I'm captain. So good. All right. Well, on that note, we're leaving Quint Shack and we're going to head out to sea. Here at Out to Sea, we're just going to talk a little bit about the behind the scenes. Um, and uh, this is all going to be taken from uh, Wikipedia as per usual. Um, so we got to give a shout out to everyone who has contributed to the Wikipedia page for Nope. Because, as you know, we here on the Johnny Jaws cast do absolutely zero research because none of you motherfuckers pay us, so why should we work any harder than we have to? Well, you could. I mean, you could. I'm talking to you, Caitlin. <laughs> Just kidding. Please don't come He's a us. contributor on this podcast, <laughs> so... <laughs> Say, you're cruising. We had a good uh, run. <laughs> okay. Uh, development. On October 1st, 2019, Universal Pictures announced a five-year exclusive production partnership with Peel's Monkey Paw Productions. Nope. Then the, an untitled project was announced on November 9th, 2020, with Peel set to write, direct, and produce. He said... I wrote it in a time when we were a little bit worried about the future of cinema. So the first thing I knew is I wanted to create a spectacle. I wanted to create something that the audience would come to see. Speaking to GQ, Peel said so much of what this world was experiencing was this overload of spectacle, a kind of low point of our addiction to spectacle. He added that he wrote the film Trapped Inside, and so I knew that he wrote the film Trapped Inside, and so I knew I wanted to make something that was about the sky. I knew the world would want to be outside, and at the same time, I knew we had this newfound fear from this trauma, from this time of what it meant to go outside. Can we go outside? So I slipped some of that stuff in. Obviously, he's talking about COVID and mm -hmm. times that we were locked inside of our house. So, <clears throat> all right. That's right. This is brown time. I forgot. Peel publicly cited King Kong and Jurassic Park movies about humanity's addiction to spectacle, along with Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Signs hey. and The Wizard of Oz's influence in his Ooh. writing. He later identified uh, the Angels of Neon Genesis uh, Evangelion as a principal inspiration for the film 
premise and monster in the film's production notes. I don't even know what that is, so that, that might be interesting to look up. Um, <laughs> impressed by the hyper-minimalism and biomechanical design of flair, uh, bio, biomechanical design flair of Sahaliquil the Tenth Angel, he explained his decision to include major focus on the clouds in the film. The beauty of the sky is enthralling. First movies, in a way, excuse me, I'm sorry. The beauty of the sky is enthralling. The first movies, in a way. Every now and then, you'll see a cloud that sits alone and it is too low and it gives me this vertigo and this sense of presence with a capital P. I can't describe it, but I knew if I could bottle that and put it into a horror movie, it might change the way people look at the sky. Oh, that's fucking cool. Peel originally wrote the character of Angel Torres as a happy-go-lucky, geek-like character until Brandon Piera was cast as the character who wanted to expand upon the character and portray him more grounded. In February 2021, it was reported that Kitty Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya had joined the cast with Jesse Plemons, while Jesse Plemons turned down a role in favor of starring in Killers of the Flower Moon, which can't say we blame him. Um, <clears throat> Peel wrote the script with Kaluuya in mind for the role of O.J. Haywood. Kaluuya was paid $4 million for his involvement in March. Stephen Yoon was added to the cast. <clears throat> Bri, would you uh, mind taking yeah, heavy filming? Let's go. All right. Principal photography took place from June 21 to November 21 in Agua Dulce Desert in northern L.A. County. The production received an estimated 8300000 worth of tax credits to shoot in the state of California. Jesus. The film was shot on a budget of $68 million after tax incentives. It was the first to employ trainees, in this case six, from Universal Filmed Entertainment Group's California Below the Line traineeship for individuals seeking careers behind the camera. Nope was shot by cinematographer Hoyt Van Hoytema using Kodak film, including 65mm film and IMAX, making it the first horror film in, in history to be shot in this format. Damn, that's cool. Cool. Two cameras were used for the nighttime scenes, one for infrared light with narrow bandwidth and another that captured 70 millimeter film. The overlaid images from these two were then added to the information captured from the film camera, creating the needed footage. On July 22nd, 2021, people revealed the film's title and shared its promotional release poster and, for, and further castings were confirmed. Peel chose Nope as the title because he wanted to acknowledge movie audiences and their expected reactions to the film. He said he had considered calling the film Little Green Men to reference a theme in the film of humanity's monetization of spectacle. Filming also took place at the Burbank, California location of Fry's Electronics, which had closed along with all remaining Fry's locations several weeks before filming. 
The store was recreated in its operating state for filming. Fry's co-founder, Randy Fry, and his wife, reporter Vicky Leviakis, were present during filming at the Burbank store. They also had a cameo appearance at the Star Lasso Experience scene, which they filmed in two days. <laughs> in the 1972 Western film Buck and the Preacher, starring Sidney Poitier, Poitier. Oh, Poitier. Is featured throughout the film. Peel said it was the first film that I know of that had black cowboys represented in it. The myth that cowboys were just white guys running around is just not true. But we don't know that because of Hollywood and the romanticized view of a very brutalized era. The film, it shares a spirit. For her introductory scene, which also opens the film's First trailer, Palmer shot 14 takes of Emerald's monologue about her and OJ's family's history, which initially was not in the script prior to principal photography. Peel described each take as a very wildly different, uncuttably so, but just a tour de force. One of these things where you see somebody like, I'm going to make this choice this time and go for it. There's improv in there. Love it. I like the the choice for the the title that it was just like based on like kind of like how audiences would react. I mean, we kind of touched on that yeah, a little it. bit before with like how OJ like I mean like if you were to look up and see that out of your car, that would be your reaction. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, and he's such just like that stone cold person too. Yeah, and he carries that through the whole film, and it's just perfect. And often he like delivers just that presence of just nope, nope, not dealing with that. Yeah. All right, we're gonna talk about it. Oh, some of the some of the design. Um, Caltech professor John O. Debris Debrie. Deb Debrie, uh, sorry, John. Uh, collaborated with Peel and his team on the design of Jean Jacket's monster UFO form, and in its particular final true biblical angel form, which was inspired by the Neon Genesis Evan Evangelion, Evangelion, and the invertebrate aquatic locomotion among the sea creatures such as jellyfish, octopuses, and squid to imagine a hypothetical undiscovered previous existent sky predator, realistically imagining how could something like this hide in the clouds with its ability to generate electric field, taken from electric eels, ghost knife fish, allowing for electric propulsion. <clears throat> Jean Jacket's fast flying without wings sails. S wings slash sails. Um, Gyulami Rudcharan of uh, Moving Picture Company also worked with Debriri and Peel on the visual effect shots featuring Jean Jacket, utilizing both CGI and practical effects. The latter particularly involving the use of the helicopters to swirl dust and dirt on the ground 
the way the creature does when consuming its victims in the film. <clears throat> oh, that's cool. The film held its first test screenings just 12 weeks before its July 22nd release with special effects still being worked on. The design for Jean Jacket's biblical form has also been compared to Orga, the final form of Millennium alien species in Godzilla to, in the Godzilla 2000 movie who are also living UFOs. Damn. Goodness. <laughs> really gotta read about this fucking uh uh what a neon genesis evangelion thing because it's referenced numerous times and i have a really hard time i have a really hard time pronouncing that word uh sound design sound designer oh. johnny byrne said oh my god <laughs> What just happened there? I'm sorry, I just <laughs> lost my place so bad. And that is, there we go. Okay. Johnny Burns said in an interview with IndieWire, Jordan Peele is a director who really knows how to write for sound. He continued, the early conversations were along the lines of, we wanted to be super realistic. And for that, we were kind of resisting the urge to hear anything from the monster too early on because we wanted to be credible that this was a predator. Now, how could something so large be getting away with this if it was making a big noise? So one of the main sounds we used was silence. Byrne represented Jean Jacket's presence in the environment by stripping back layers such as dialogue, wind, and chirping crickets. He additionally engineered wind soundscapes containing faint, obscure sounds such as screams to suggest that Jean Jacket to suggest Jean Jacket's movement through the air. The soundtrack was mixed by Dolby Atmos. <clears throat> Music. The film score was composed by Michael Abels, who previously worked with Peel on Get Out and Us. Uh, Abels, Abels, we'll say Abels. Abels <laughs> described his score as having to meet the threat level described by Peel in the script and the ideas imposed by the film's quote, what's a bad miracle? He added the music needed to have both those senses together, both a little bit of sense of awe, like we, like, like we would have looking at the Grand Canyon, but also the urge to run away from the Grand Canyon because falling in it would not be good. <laughs> um, the dichot That's the dichotomy that is present in the film. You hear a sense of a little bit of awe and magic, and then there's sheer terror. But then there's also a sense of real epic adventure towards the end of towards the end and the giant music that accompanies a, a giant historic event. Working with the film's sound designer Johnny Byrne, Abels felt that the use of silence played an important role in scoring the film, saying the tension between the negative space and the music is actually a part of the music leaving room for the sound design even when there's a cue playing was important was an important part of the way that i approached it a lot of times the scariest parts especially the earlier parts in the film you're listening to what you hope you're not going to hear or what you thought you might have heard the stillness allows you to allows you to freak out in that way <clears throat> so accurate yeah jesus 
Yeah, um, it's like the scariest part about things is that you don't hear it. What you hear is what it's eating. <laughs> yeah. Fucking horrifying. Brian, since you were so keen on the film's marketing, why don't you take... Oh, baby! Marketing. Hold, please. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the release of a teaser poster in July 2021 and first look images in February 2022 were followed by a trailer in, on February 13th of 2022. The trailer, which featured the 1962 Regal Theater recording of Stevie Wonder's Fingertips, was praised by critics for simultaneously creating suspense and keeping the storyline under wraps. Some view some reviewers began to speculate the film would be about extra extraterrestrial life. Uh, Jeremiah Jer, <laughs> Jeremy Mathai, sorry, of film said it immediately lit the internet on fire and sent fans scurrying for answers as to whether the main antagonist of the film could really be alien invaders from outer space, or if Peel was yet another, or if Peel has yet another trick up his sleeve. Jordan Hoffman from Vanity Fair said he enjoyed the song choice and an included static shot with scrolling text, which he compared to a similar shot in the trailer of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. The Verge's Charles Pulliam Moore called it one of the rare modern movies with this much hype around it to make it this close to its release date without the public knowing basically anything about it. Accurate. The trailer was also broadcast during Super Bowl 26? <laughs> What's LVI? Is that 26? Uh, I think that might after be After a certain point, I lose count of Roman numerals. <laughs> It was at a Super Bowl. LVI. Super Bowl. 20, Super Bowl LVI. And it earned 86 million views across social media websites during the 24 hours after it aired. God damn. <laughs> Whatever year that Super Bowl happened, it was, uh, solid. It was 2021. Yeah, it could have been the 90s. Who's to know? <laughs> a second poster showing a floating horse was, re was released on March 1st of 2022. Bloody disgusting, John Squire said it was entirely possible that nope isn't at all the movie it thus far appears to be, with the marketing throwing us off the scent. Ugh, excuse me. Lex Brubriscuso from film said that despite the fact... Can I just stop for one really <laughs> quick second? Why the fuck can any of these motherfuckers, all the, all the shit that we, re we read about all these reviewers... Why don't any of them have normal names? Why doesn't anybody on Wikipedia have a normal name? They're Ryan all... Ryan Calvert. I was going to say, why can't anyone be like... Maresca. Tommy Smith. You know? <laughs> the one that said Johnny Burns, I was like, oh, thank God. Like, I know how to read that. That was nice. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just said... No, no, you're good. Uh, Lex Briscuso. From film, said that despite the fact that the new visual doesn't give us very many fresh clues, I'm just happy to see new content continue to pop up out of the blue. On April 16th, the NBA playoffs 
cross-promoted the film with a clip starring NBA player Stephen Curry. Uh, okay, that's the end of that sentence, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it feels like I was so focused on his name! should have been more. <laughs> Larry Fitzmaurice of BuzzFeed called it terrifyingly funny. Period. On April 27th, additional footage was shown to around 3,000 exhibition insiders at CinemaCon. Peel asked attendees to be discreet and not reveal any detail about the story. This footage, depicting several characters saying a variation of the word nope, was later aired as a 30-second television spot during the NBA Finals, confirming the existence of UFOs in the film. Okay. Jeremy Mathai of film called it thrilling and noted similarities to the filmography of Steven Spielberg while expressing his belief that there's something much more going on underneath beyond the extremely easy answer of extraterrestrials terrorizing our helpless protagonists. Four character posters were released June 7th, 2022, with a featurette released the next day. The final trailer was released June 9th, 2022, featuring the Undisputed Truths 1971 rendition of The Temptation's Ball of Confusion. Reviewers noted its lighter tone and said it did a better job at explaining the premise. Justin Carter of Gizmodo said it was reasonable to believe the trailer shared too much information, inadvertently robbing audiences of any potential mystery in the story. What a douchebag. Incorrect. Oh, Guarantee more. it. Yeah. Fucking Justin Carter. Dickhead. IMAX and Dolby posters were released by the end of June 2022. On July 1st, an interactive website for Jupiter's Claim, the fictional theme park, Yoon's character... Yoon, right? Yoon. Okay, thank God. Yoon's character owns in the film was published. In addition to providing hints of the plot... It held weekly drawings with within world prizes. Within world prizes. Sorry. All right. Okay. Valerie Ettenhofer of film. Get a fucking normal <laughs> name, everyone, Valerie. Everyone hashtag film or diagonal. Yeah, that's hash, it's a whatever. precursor for being Slash you know, employed there. You got a yeah. fucking hard ass <laughs> name to say. <laughs> Valerie Ettenhofer of film. <laughs> Compared a poster on the website for a fictional film <laughs> titled Kid Sheriff to the poster of the 2003 comedy film Holes. Okay. She described the website as wonderfully interactive, sort of like an old Flash game site, but it also gives some insight into what Nope might be about. A real-world version of Jupiter's Claim was added permanently as a part of Universal Studios' Hollywood's studio tour on July 22nd, making it the first studio tour attraction to open the same day the movie it replicates opened in theaters. The other addition to the attraction is the atmosphere, such as lights and tube men flicker off while the sound of the alien be heard and the actors starting to panic, then begin to look up. I just feel like, um, I, I gotta make a note here that we are reading what people wrote every now and then we might fuck up a line or something like that but i like this is what people wrote so it's not just us not knowing how to talk 
Um, that being said, we're very best. grateful for all the people who did the research. I've been through that walkthrough at uh, Universal have Studios. Have you really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. For Nope? Yeah. And they have the, like, the mm -hmm. people flailing? I don't know if those so guys were there. Like, right? um, yeah. But, like, I mean, it's like walking through Jupiter's claim in the movie. Like, when, when oh, it's like the OJ Western walks town. through it. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's pretty creepy, and they had like the little aliens walking by, like the the ones that he. Oh, like the kids in costume. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, so that's cute. Okay. Release. Uh, no premiered at the TCL Chinese Theater in Los Angeles on July eighteenth, twenty twenty two. It was released in theaters in the United States on July twenty second, twenty twenty two, by Universal Pictures at a. A date first revealed in November 2020. The Elmo Drafthouse Cinema hosted an outdoor screening of the film at Sunset Ranch, Hollywood on July 25th, 2022. That's cool. Can you imagine watching that on a projector out in a field? That'd be fucking dope. That'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> it's right up there. Like with, watching uh, Jaws in a pool, baby. Uh, hell yeah, buddy. <laughs> That's the shit. Gonna watch go do one of those jaws on the water thing, you we know. We should. Wow. I know an ocean. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, reception. Box office. Uh, nope. Grossed uh, one hundred and twenty-three point three million in the United States and Canada, and forty-eight million in other territories for a worldwide total of one hundred seventy-one million point or one hundred and seventy-one point. Two million dollars. There we go. Uh, in the United States and Canada, Nope was projected to gross around fifty million from three thousand seven hundred eighty-five theaters in its opening weekend, and it made nineteen million on its opening day, uh, including six point four million down fourteen percent from the seven point four million earned by Peel's twenty nineteen film Us. From Thursday night previews, it went on to debut to a 44.4 million, uh, topping the box office. It also posted the best opening weekend for an original film since Us, while the film came in on the low end of projections. Deadline Hollywood reported, Deadline Hollywood still seemed, still deemed it a success, noting. It was opening higher than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, forty-one million. Another R-rated original release released in July twenty nineteen, as well as its Friday to Saturday gross not steeply declining, indicating possible legs at the box office. Deadline also reported that despite failing to meet Universal's fifty million opening threshold for a uh, longer 31-day theatrical window before going to premium video on demand. Universal would still honor the longer window for the film. Film dropped 58% in its sophomore week into 18.6 million, finishing second behind newcomer DC League of Super Pets. It finished third and fifth the following two weekends with 
8.5 million and 5.3 million respectively. On August 9th, 2022, during its third week, the film crossed the $100 million milestone in the United States and Canada, making it making it the first R-rated film best milestone since Bad Boys for Life in January 2020. It also, it also surpassed Universal's other horror film Halloween Kills, $92 million in the United States and Canada, to become the highest grossing R-rated film in the United States and Canada during the pandemic. We also have to take into account that this was like on the tail end of, you know. Yeah. People were not really allowed to go out still, right? Yeah. I mean, it was 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 dialed in and there was, uh, you know, people were getting the vaccines and whatnot. But But as far as like going to a movie theater. Yeah. It was a stretch. Um... I'm just going to read a little bit of the critical response because (laughs) I'm just tired of reading and there's a lot to say here. So uh, I'm just going to touch on a little bit. Um, On the reviewer aggregator website, Rotten Tomatoes, 83% of 455 critics' reviews are positive with an average rating of 7.5 out of 10. Website's consensus reads... Admirable for its originality and ambitious, even when its reach exceeds its grasp. Nope, adds Spielbergian spectacle to Jordan Peele's growing arsenal. Metacritic, which uses a weighted average, assigns the film 77 out of 100 based on 64 critics, indicating a generally favorable indicating generally favorable reviews <laughs> audiences polled by cinema score gave the film an average of a b on an a plus to f scale the same score as us while post track reported 79 percent of film goers gave it a positive review <clears throat> and then we're just going to jump down here to legacy in 2023 it ranked Number 21 on IndieWire's list of films with the best cinematography of the 21st century, noting that the visuals gave a unique sense of grandeur and mounting terror. I agree with all of that. The site also listed it as number eight on its list of the 55 best science fiction films of the 21st century and number four on its list of scariest alien movies of all time. (laughs) That's impressive. Number four? Number four. Damn. Um, Michael Abel's score is also ranked number two on the site's best film scores of 2022. Um, Comic Book Resources ranked it at number 10 on its list of 10 best horror movies of the 2020s so far, in parentheses. Writing, there's no doc- denying the genius level of storytelling that went into making Nope. It went into the making of Nope and its many layers that blend social satire with an overwhelming sense of dread and mystery. Nope is a mixture of the best parts of Alien and Jaws rolled into a movie that features one of the most unique creatures of the last 20 years. Damn. The fear of the unknown surrounding the creature and its unstoppable nature make it make for a wild ride in note that any other horror fan will appreciate for its distinctive style. The site also called Gene Jacket one of the best movie monsters of the 21st century, knowing the UFO's creature 
the UFO creature's unpredictability and positively comparing it to the shark from Jaws. I love it. <laughs> uh, Far Out also listed the film as one of the 10 best sci-fi movies of the 21st century, writing that it showcases Peel's unrestrained designs for cinema history. Oh, no, excuse me. Showcases Peel's unrestrained imagination in all the best ways and praises Jean Jacket's appearance as one, of the, as one of, if not the most imaginative and singular creature designs in cinema history. Alien creature design, excuse me. Movie Web ranked it as the best alien invasion movie of the 21st century so far, in parentheses. <laughs> writing that all the cinematography, writing that the cinematography, sound design, and creature design are among the reasons that this is one of the best alien films in a recent cinema. <clears throat> Damn. I agree with all that. Yeah. All that that's that had hitters said, in there. I think when it comes to a lot of this film's release and the way people saw it right out the gate, I think there was a lot of comparing it to Jordan Peele's previous films, which I don't think Nope should be compared to Get Out or Us. I think it's no. it's working on a much grander scale. It is a That's very... Huge. Steven Spielberg sort of yeah. like epic adventure film. Yes. And in those terms, I think it succeeds spectacularly. Yeah. Um, in terms of social commentary, it's not as strong as Get Out or Us. Yeah. Um, but in terms of grandiose filmmaking, it's fucking epic. Yes, 100%. That's huge. It's on that scale. Yeah. Um, God, it's such a good movie. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's going to do it for uh, behind the scenes. Um, just, you know, running, a, running us ragged, reading all that shit. <laughs> um, so we're still out at sea, but all of this... Uh, reading and diving into the details where we hear at the the Johnny Jawscaster finding that we just might need a bigger boat. Here where we find ourselves wondering if maybe we made a grave mistake coming out to chase this shark that is <laughs> much larger than we anticipated. We just discuss which monster we would prefer to face off against. Oh, God. The shark from Jaws or Jean Jacket? Damn. I might take Jean Jacket. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah. If, and that's a big if, if there's a structure nearby. <laughs> well, also, like, hey, if you don't look at it in the eye, you have a chance. There are, there there yeah, there are attributing factors to survival here. Mm -hmm. If I don't look at it in the eye, if, if, okay, compare the two. If I don't look a shark in the eye, it's still going to eat me. It doesn't care. 
And, and like, not just any shark. We're talking about that shark. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't look it in the eye, it's going to eat me. Yeah. It doesn't care if we're making eye contact. Uh -huh. It's consensual and it's going to eat me. <laughs> if I don't look this in the eye, there's a high chance it might not eat me. Yeah. Also, I'm on land. Yeah, this is always your go-to. This is always your go-to. It is. Yeah, look, at the, look at the scenario. Across the board, where am I most comfortable? On legs. Where there's gravity. Am I in my environment or theirs? Technically, it's an alien, so it's... You know, it's still yours. Yeah. Still my environment. Yeah. The shark's not floating. Yeah. It is, but not at a farm. <laughs> it's not just like coming at me from the clouds <laughs> with no <laughs> reservation of eye contact. <laughs> this thing comes down, I don't like eye contact, and I'm in a structure. Good. It's not great for the circumstance because I work on a ranch and it's mostly 99% open fields. I gotta keep little floaty dudes hooked up to dead people's car batteries all around me to distract it so I can do my work. That's fine. We'll make do. But if my option is that or floating in the open sea with a fucking 25 man monster shark, yeah. That can sense any motion and doesn't care about. Consensual eye contact. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take my I'll take my yeah I'm there. For my that. chances out in the field for sure. I'll take Jean. It's terrifying. Also, like, but I'll take it. At least you got to see an alien before you die, right? True. <laughs> it's not just like, hey, I went in the ocean because I chose to. And, because hey, I really want to go surfing world. on a full moon after my shift <laughs> at CBK <laughs> to get eaten. <laughs> Lost a fucking leg. Oh man. Well, what do you choose? Uh, oh, jean jacket. Are you kidding me? So like, just ocean all day long. I we have had this discussion multiple multiple times. Like you're a shark man. I I would shit myself <laughs> if I even had to be in the water. <laughs> With the mechanical shark. <laughs> like, even if it's the tank at Universal Studios. At broad daylight. In broad daylight, like, there's the footage of that shark just in the tank and, like, like divers around it. Like, no. No. I'm not getting in that tank. So That's with, the, with this... Clearly robotic shark that is not real. So we're not doing it. You're on the bridge, Universal Studios, where the tram goes through, and it's like, oh, it collapsed. You're on that bridge. All you have to do is just hop off that bridge and get in the water. <laughs> if the shark is underwater. It's submerged. It's not breaching. It's submerged. And you have to jump in. You can't see where it is. And you have to jump in the water. And I mean, the thing is, with that, under. the thing that, you, that, that, even that shark looks ten times, a thousand times more fake than the shark used in Jaws, and I still have my reservations. 
Like, you would have to pay me a lump sum of $50,000, I think. Track, you know, the general distance of a football field. Yes. I'm gonna it's give large. You a football field size pool. No. <laughs> Whatever it is. No, I hate this. This sounds worse. Right, you need, you need... It would be better if it was smaller. <laughs> a shark can only fit in so much water. It's a big boy. <laughs> it's terrifying. I can't give you a 20 foot pool, it won't fit. Okay, all right. Two football fields. No! End to end. No, why? What are the we doing? The shark's at the other end. No! That shark? That shark is at the other end. All you know is that it's at the other end of two football field lengths. No. But you have to hear this out. So, you get, you either get dropped into that pool, or... You get dropped into that field on one end and knowing the jean jackets on the other side of the hill on the other end. The field! The field! Every single time, the field. <laughs> Even if I know I'm going to get sucked up. Even, okay, here, let me, let me lay it out for you. Even if... <laughs> The end of that scenario is I get eaten by a jean jacket and there's a 50% chance that I survive being in the pool with the shark. The field. Every single time. Every single time. I want nothing to do with that motherfucker. Do you not understand how fucking scared I am of that fucking shark? <laughs> Three football fields. We're, we're moving on. <laughs> it's time for the Yellow Barrels Awards. Is it the shark eating you, or is it the suffocation tube of Jean Jacket? Because that fucked me up. I have to pee. He'd probably die in both scenarios, wouldn't he? Rebound. So, here at the Yellow Barrel Awards, we are just going to hand out some fucking awards and... Um, this is uh this is a, a thing that is very special here on the Johnny Jaws cast. I don't think 
any other podcast in the history of podcasts does it quite like we do when it comes to the awards. Yeah, baby. So, um, starting out, we're going to go with the Doll's Eyes Award, which is the best kill. Ooh. <laughs> um, Brian, why don't you tell me what you think? Best kill three. You have there. Did, did are there three separate kills in this movie? <laughs> I feel like that's as many as there are. There, uh, yeah, collectively, basically, <laughs> yeah. I had three that were impactful to me. <laughs> When I was going through my list and I was like, man, what are my best kills? I didn't put anything on this list until this scene. Mm-hmm. And then my best kill award my best kill award was the dad, I'm assuming his role, in the Gordy show. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Fuck! Yeah. And we've talked about it. Like those scenes make that movie. But man. They're gnarly. Mm-hmm. And like, CGI aside, <clears throat> intense. Yeah. No, and his death scene, because of what it sets up in the intro, and then what it sets up in the middle, and then what it fully aspires to, it's so gnarly. Yeah. And so terrifying. Because it makes you so, like, a part of it, watching it from... This child hiding under a table scene. Uh, his perspective, yeah. His perspective is so scary. And so that was when I first was like hearing footsteps. Him, A. Why does he come down? Being behind the scenes. He was he was safe. Yeah. A he very, should, there was very no reason for him to off. come down from wherever he was. Yeah. Yeah. You're behind the scenes. Then he comes out. Then he tries to reason with a very aggressive, very angry chimp, and he calls him by the character name and not by whatever the chimp's real name is. Which trying is trying to calm like, it down. Then he runs from it, mm-hmm. and then goes off scene and is killed. Yeah, and it's so gnarly. Ugh, freaks me out. Uh, my other one. Was the final death, like, <coughs> crunch of the crowd above the house. When they're listening to the screams above them, and then it finally just, like, decides to digest all of them, or do whatever it's doing, and it just goes silent. It was fucking gnarly. Yeah. That was so fucking cool. But man, was it intense. Because that was just such a fucking cool scene. And then uh, and then my last one was uh, was Antler's Sacrifice. Just because of the like angle and footage of the death. I thought it was really cool the way they, they shot that. Yeah, Hank. Hey, thanks for leaving me some. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you want to like, jump in. Just... <laughs> <laughs> um, just like cleared the board. So that's all of the deaths that happened in the movie. In the movie. They were all my favorite. You're up. Um, <laughs> uh, the star lasso scene, just like 
everyone being sucked up in there is just so, so, there's something very primal about it. And I'm not sure if it's because it's like the reverse of being born. Yes. You know, we just see this tube of just people being like, God, it's, just, God, I swear to Christ, like it has been a scene that has haunted me ever since I've seen it. It we see so little, but just yeah. enough to know that it's You're just seeing like Yeah, and of it's, all of them going. It's just so grotesque and just the woman just being like like yes. you know, just being like pushed up into this thing and then her like kinda like reaching the horse's face and kinda like realizing what it is this half digested animal and her slowly like starting to freak out and then it just cuts and you just don't see anything else you know no. and then yeah you just hear the screams and then the crunch and it for yeah oh so long it just goes on forever they're all just screaming for it's hours going around the yeah. canyon and they're constantly hearing and it was great because great. We had subtitles on, obviously, mm -hmm. and it's saying like shrieking in the distance. People it's just screaming. Like, yeah, and it's just like solidifying what's happening. It's yeah. like, oh no. Yeah. Like, you know, it's left. It went up into the clouds, and you're still hearing it. Yeah. As it's coming into frame above them, you're just like, oh my god. As a diehard horror fan, I have seen some shit, and I'm always looking to see, like, oh, like, I fucking love slasher movies, so I love seeing all the, the ridiculous kills, and I've watched a lot of movies between this, when I first saw Nope, and now, and <clears throat> I can honestly say that this scene has stuck with me more than anything that I've seen since then. Yeah. Um, it is just a very, very primal scene, just in a way that, again, the minimalization of what yes. we actually see, I think, is incredibly important. And it... it I don't know, man. There's just no no way to prep for that. Yeah. Because it, more. it really does come out of nowhere. Like, you don't know that this this absolutely horrifying thing is going to happen. And it, yeah, like and I like, said. Angel gets out of his car. He runs back to the house. And the two of them are just in the house. Just, yeah. And it's just, like, radiating above them. Yeah. Those sounds. Ugh. It's, it's one of the freakiest scenes yeah. In the movie. Yeah. Up there with the fucking chimpanzee. <laughs> beating, beating Tom to death. God damn. Oh. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, next we have our Hoagie Award, which uh, is, you know, if you're familiar with this podcast, you know it is derived from uh, our very first episode in which we watched jaws the revenge and the character of michael kane just absolutely frustrated brian to no end for reasons that to this day i still don't understand um but the character's name is hoagie and the hoagie award has just kind of become this this fun sort of 
running gag that we have where it's Brian's least favorite character. Um, I say that in quotation marks because it's usually a character that Brian loves to hate, um, but is Brian's infatuation at a character that he probably, you know, just outright loves. So we're just gonna, for this particular episode, I don't think there's any character that is dislikable in this movie. So, no. um, uh, we're just going to kind of reframe it this time and it's just going to be Brian's favorite character. So, uh, I feel like there's not going to be any surprises here, but go ahead and hit me. Angel all day, baby. <laughs> Angel all day. God, he was just, <clears throat> oh boy. Yeah. Um, Such a fan. Uh, there wasn't anyone I hated in this movie. They did great. Obviously, if I had to like really like flip tables, you could you could try and swing a juke, but it's just not worth it. Like, Angel's our man. Yeah, he's uh, our dude. Brandon uh, Piera played Angel Torres, and God, he's just like I love everything about this guy. I love his style. Yep. I love his fucking bleached hair. Yeah, I want to bleach Look, my hair now. That. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's just heartbroken techie and just down in the dirt trying to help and just gets on board and man, he's just like this grusty little fucking asshole. Yeah. And I, I love him. Like running his mouth and always like always excited in like, just the fact that he has friends almost, yeah. right? You know? <laughs> He's got people. Uh-huh. <laughs> but don't want him. But he has people. Yes, exactly. And they need him, so they're his people. Yes. <laughs> He's a hooper. A hundred percent. Yeah. He's a little techie nerd, and, and, and he finds his people. And I love it. Yeah. He just latches in and immediately becomes part of the group. With his stupid, bitchy little quirks. And he's fucking great. Angel. For the love of fuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, jumping on to our next award. Uh, this is the, uh, the Barry Gibb Award. Again, uh, oh taken from our very first episode of Jaws the Revenge in which um, Brian thought the character of Michael Brody um, who was played by the very handsome, very talented Lance Guest thought uh, Brian thought that he looked like the lead singer of the Bee Gees Barry Gibb Actually, um, I think a news article just came out recently that solidified those beliefs. But go ahead. After you, uh, there there might be a, a, a print uh, from a very unreliable source that is you know currently being taken to court. But that's neither here nor there. Um, <clears throat> Brian. Uh, who so the Barry Gibb Award is basically the the lookalike, and I know that <laughs> this was actually kind of a hard. I had hard a couple sell actually. for you on this one, so please, who who is the winner of your your Barry Gibb Award? The best lookalike, somebody oh. who looks like somebody else. Right out the gate, 
OJ looks aggressively like the guy from Get Out. Like, tit for tat. Well, that's very much because of the same guy, Brian. Uh, secondly, Jupe looks a lot like the guy from Walking Dead. Oddly so, enough, uh, it's same just, guy, it's, actually, yeah. It's, we're hard-pressed, and there's, I don't know, racial profiling going on. Excuse me? I'm just saying. There are, there are options out there. And, uh, these are the exact these are actors that just, play these I'm roles. just best lookalikes. Next thing you're going to tell me is that Angel Torres looks a lot like the actor Brandon Piera, and I'm I'm just absolutely flabbergasted. You're the worst, and this is the worst <laughs> segment that we've ever done, and I'm I'm tired of it. I'm not being paid for this, and I'm certainly not being paid any overtime, which is our next award. No overtime. Uh, which is our best special effect. <laughs> what do you think the best effect is in this movie? I have a couple, actually. Uh, I put that the ship for the first good look when it takes Ghost was one of my favorites. When it's a, aggressively subtle... When, dude, I missed that shot the first two times I watched the movie. I was like, really? where is it? Where is it? And Because it goes by so it's, quick. <clears throat> he literally, like, looks. It gives his version of the yeah. fucking illscape. perspective, yeah. But it's only between, like, the bottom canyon. Yeah. Off, And it's, like, out of a cloud into a cloud. Yeah. And it's so cool. Yeah. And I was like, Damn. That's a good UFO shot, especially in movie. I thought that was just, I'm like, okay, obviously I know we're getting more of, but fuck, I thought it was so cool. Yeah. I was like, what a great intro of just like this little sliver of like, uh, did you? Did you see it? And the case in point, did you yeah. see it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was my first one. What was yours? Um, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in this. I think really, like, best effect, whether it be practical or physical, like, mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you which one this is. I, I assume it's physical just kind of by how natural it looks, but I really do love the, um, the like, the mouth of mm. the alien just that yeah. square like fucking tunnel thing just that was fucking cool the way it just kind of like it is so foreboding are you talking about like the intro like looking out of it the or uh, looking at it from the ending when it's like doing its flashes i i like the 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 like credit yeah. sequence that like, was fucking going cool. into it because mm -hmm. that's you know and and then it even you know, becomes more prevalent, you know, after yeah, yeah. the, the, you know, um, showstopper mm -hmm. point of the film where everyone gets eaten, you realize that that's like its fucking throat. Right. Um, <clears throat> so <laughs> I like that because it just has like a very kind of 
natural, scary, you know, dark tunnel right. feel. Um, but I also like, I think, the the finale when uh, Jean Jacket kind of shows its true form is, wow, is right. pretty kind of incredible like, yeah, as far as like, a, a, um, computer-generated design is concerned, you know? Yeah, it was gnarly. I had... Uh... I have an aggressive second one mm. that I don't think you agree with. And it was Gordy as the chimpanzee. You weren't into it. Bullshit. And I think the way they did it was very just like... The way they orchestrated it was very intense. Mm -hmm. I don't think like CGI-wise it was done as well as it could have been. But I think the way they like implemented it was really like invigorating and just emotional for what the movie was. And I know you didn't like it, but I was like, man, fuck it freaked me out. And like the way they did it freaked me out. And like the absence of like people in the audience and like the way they set that scene Especially towards the tail end when they came in from the back end to like really show the whole like mm -hmm. scene. Just like Ugh. It was it was freaky to me. No, I mean I, I agree with you. I love the scene. I just yeah. think the the, the CGI actual, was the actual effect of yeah. the monkey where it like as far as his movement movements and everything were concerned, mm -hmm. like that looked that looked realistic. That looked really good. Um I just think that yeah. it you it's it is very much it was like a video game uh, yeah. and obviously cgi yeah like, thing and mm -hmm. i'm like all right cool like i know you guys can't use chimpanzees but maybe you should have tried because exactly what was your next <clears throat> that's 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 like I, mean, I had, I yeah. think I had one more. That's a fact. Uh... Oh, I put um. Ah, oh, that's right. I put the wind tunnel people, the waving, wacky, inflatable arm people. Mm -hmm. I put them dying off as an effect that I loved. Because it was easy, but effective. Uh-huh. And the way they used it, I thought was fucking cool. Yeah. And, like, I think they leaned into it just the right amount of being like, all right, we're going to steal some batteries. <laughs> yeah. Love and that. they're dead people's batteries, sorry. And they did that, and they made that scene, and then they followed up with it. With Angel being like, oh, I'm sorry that I used some Deadpool batteries and some of them might not work all that well. <laughs> and they touch on it again. And the fact that, like, that was their power source. Yeah. And that it fluctuated as much. I don't know. I thought that was really fucking cool. And it's such a simple, easy thing to rig for a team. Yeah. But it's so impactful yeah like all i do is be like these you know whatever are on this control and like for filming purposes it was probably a cakewalk yeah but it looked so good yeah and it made so much sense 
for what they're to the situation. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. I agree. I think I think that was a, a that really was one of my favorite that, effects. A really good uh, plot device for sure. Yeah, I thought that that worked out really cool. The way they like implemented like flags and the fucking mm-hmm. fake horse, and then finally it tallied into oh, this is how we can like map our field yeah. with what we have, and it looked perfect, and it just was easy for them. Good writing yeah. across the board. Yeah, it just point. worked well. And looked killer. Yeah. And I know how easy it was, but it looked so good. Sometimes the best things are the easiest. Yep. Yeah. Don't overcomplicate it. And that's why I was just like, ooh, I really liked that. Especially with where they put the emphasis on it. Yeah. Especially at, like, you know, tail end, like, all of a sudden she's, like, trying to get a motorcycle. And all of a sudden it's like, mm, and she's like, oh, fuck, I'm in the clear. And start this thing up, and it's like those are your markers type of thing, and the way they use it. And I was like, damn, ingenious, loved it, that was fucking killer. But yeah, that was my last one for best effect. Speaking of fucking killer, how about putting a bullet right into <laughs> an oxygen tank <laughs> and screaming? Smile, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Here we are at the end of our lengthy episode on Nope and its relation to Jaws. We're just going to give our final thoughts and rankings. So, B-Rye, why don't you take it away, tell me what you would rank this film out of 10, and how you feel about it overall. I would go... 8.5. I think it's up there. Mm -hmm. It's killer. It's new, but it's not... It's a good take on something that hasn't really been done. But man, it's fresh. I love it. It's nice. It's new. It's, ah, I loved it. It was a good, like, interstellar meets Jaws. Mm -hmm. Like we've talked about. It's it's Jaws on a ranch. But done in a very elevated way. Yeah. Peel... Takes it to that level. You know, you can do it a hundred different ways as far as Jaws and a ranch, but it's up there. Yeah. As far as, like, intellectual and, like, you have to think in it, like, twists you in the middle. It's cool. No. It's it's eight and a half for me. It's rewatchable because the more you watch it, the more you understand it, which I love those kind of movies. Mm -hmm. It has depth to it. There's thought process. Yeah. Solid eight and a half. Solid. Solid eight and a half. I I feel that. I I think I'll just echo everything that you said. For me, last year when I was putting together my, my favorite films of 2022, like, this was, like... 
a dark horse for me. Like I said, when the trailers came out, I was like, yeah, kind of whatever about it. Excited to see it, but I was not thinking I was going to be super duper impressed. And I remember just walking out of that movie being like, looking at Celeste and just being like, I think that might be <clears throat> my favorite of his movies. I'm not sure. Like, I need to sit on it for a little bit. Yeah. And I did my review, and I think I was, I think I played it very safe with my review. I think I, I think I rated it about where where you have it, somewhere in that ballpark, probably mm -hmm. like eight point five. And when it came time to do my end of year like top favorite, least favorite movies, like I thought of all the movies that I had seen last year, and this one just came out on top, like. By a large margin, I was mm -hmm. like, the, it was a movie that that stayed with me, that I thought about, and then Celeste just happened to throw on about this time last year <laughs> on Peacock. And it was weird because I was like, it's not a Christmas movie and it's not a horror <laughs> Christmas movie. What are we doing watching this movie right now? And I just, and it was before I like had to go to work and shit like that, but I was still kind of like tuning in. And I was just like really excited by it. And I remember just being so excited. I was like, God, I do really like this movie. And that like stuck with me. It is a movie that, like you said, the more I watch it, the more I enjoy it. And this rewatch is absolutely no exception. Like I picked up on things that I hadn't before, mm -hmm. just like the previous you know, rewatches I had with it. Um, I stand by it being Jaws on a Farm. And I think it's probably, as far as the films that we have covered on this specific sidecast, <laughs> I think it is the best film that we have, we have covered. Yeah, I agree. Um, like it it's a good fucking movie it's a really good fucking movie it's exciting it's fun it's fucking scary it checks all the boxes of what a, a cinematic blockbuster should be yeah it's um, mysterious mm -hmm. and that's like this huge depth of mystery yeah which is what jaws is you yeah. don't know what's in there yeah and you can't, you know, tell the future. Yeah. You don't. You can't predict what's gonna come next. Yeah. And it does it so well, and I love that about it. It's one of my favorite parts. Yeah, I agree. And it's something so foreign. Should be kind of regular to us, but so foreign, and you can't pick up on it. And that's that's. And you can't get an edge on it. So you're just along for the ride. Yes. And it's very uncomfortable. And that's the best part about in, it. In the best ways. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That's the best part about it is you are just very uncomfortably along for the ride. Yeah. And you have to be. <clears throat> because that's what you signed up for. Yep. Yeah, so I think I'm I'm a point above you. I, I think after 
these handful of rewatches and really sitting with it. This movie's, this movie's at like a 9.5 for me. Ooh, I, baby! I really, really yes. like this movie a lot. Um, I love it. Uh, it still might be like even after all the really great films that I've seen this year, mm -hmm. it still might be a more enjoyable watch than even some of those movies. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, 9.5, like, it's, it. it's just, <clears throat> it's right up there with <clears throat> Jaws and Jurassic Park in terms of, like, this is why we go to the movies, right? Yep. You know, you get mystery, you get intrigue, you get adventure, you get horror, um, you get romance and the, the sense that Angel's just in love with Emerald and OJ, <laughs> Yep. You know, um, but on top of all that, it still has you want to rewatch it. Yeah, exactly. You want to hit it again and see what you miss. Yeah, because it has such a deep seated mystery that you have technically figured out. If you watch it again, you'll pick up on something. Yeah, you'll always hit something so you want to rewatch it yeah and that's the best part about it i agree 100 percent. you you will come back to it yeah and i mean i know and if, I will... if you rewatch it with someone else you'll yeah. be like oh they're not they don't even, yeah they don't even know they don't even know and, and then we watch it and you're just into it just as much <laughs> that was that was part of the the fun for this watch was just something like oh man b Rye has no idea what he's in for. Oh, we started it, and it was, like, screaming and shit. And I and you were just sitting there, and I was just like, oh, you fucking know. This is pissing me off. And I was like, what the fuck is what happening? Did he, what did he reel me into? I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Here we go. We're along with the ride. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, well, that's... That rewatchability is huge, though. Yeah. It's a big factor. I agree. And, I mean, it's, it's awesome when... When you can you can find a movie that that has that quality. Can you imagine? You're you're up against someone who's never seen Signs. I'd watch that with them all fucking day long. Mm -hmm. Alright, let's watch Signs right now. Well, Signs it's like I've never seen it, but we're watching it right now. Signs, uh, and I do think that Nope falls into this category. Uh -huh. like if we're probably gonna get rid of our direct TV very very soon because we don't watch that's fair direct TV anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> Signs was a movie that like was always on HBO or something like that. So it'd be like, all right, well we're getting ready to go to bed. We probably got like thirty minutes before we're gonna you know, uh, cash in our chips and that there's Mel Gibson, like. So sad. It, it's right. Life. It would always be like right when be like, all right, it's the so and so brothers, and they're they gotta be around here, and uh, you know you 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 gotta you gotta curse, and Mel Gibson's like curse. It's like you know just say something. <laughs> like all right, cool. and then they run around the house. 
I'm insane with anger. <laughs> and then you back up. And he's like, I cursed. I, I heard you. I heard you. Uh, it's, it's always that. That's why he's a pastor. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. So it's always, we had always started that part. But I, uh, all that said, I feel like Nope would have fallen in that category. Like it would have been on HBO and it would be something that like Celeste would be like, oh, Nope's on this throw it on 20 minutes before we go to bed and we'll just like fall asleep to it um yeah you're gonna you're gonna turn it on and they're gonna be under a table in the kitchen and it's gonna be on top of the fucking roof and you're gonna be like i don't want to watch it i I, my hope would be that it would just be oj and emerald smoking that hobby weed drinking (laughs) scotch (laughs) on the rocks that's a good scene to walk into Uh, and uh yeah, i'm in <laughs> i suppose on that note we better wrap up this episode of the johnny jaws cast yeah baby <clears throat> i have been your host johnny whore and uh my co-host partner in crime first mate captain aboard the johnny whore the USS Johnny Horror, is that what we're calling it? Sure. Um, you know, Brian, this is going to be the last episode that uh, we do for this this year, so... Um, so I'm captain. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. I'm captain now. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if you wanna if you wanna run this ship next year, I'm here for it. Please. Oh boy. By all means. Um gang, thank you to everyone who has uh, tuned in, who has listened, who's liked, who has shared. Uh we appreciate it. Really at the end of the day, it's just an excuse for Brian and I to get drunk and talk about sharks and scary shit. So um if you have fun listening to this podcast, please share it with any and all of your friends who you think might enjoy it as well. Uh, give us a, a good rating on, on Spotify. Um, five stars would be fucking dope. Um, and uh, just a big, big thank you to um, to everyone who, who tunes in. Um, we appreciate it. And... Uh, Really look forward to seeing you guys on the flip side next year. Uh, I feel like I'm probably going to force Brian to watch some really bad, you know, Jaws knockoffs. Maybe we'll touch on Grizzly. Maybe we'll jump into Orca. Oh, yeah. We haven't even covered the Meg 2 yet, which I know Brian's, you know, hungry for, and I am too, because that that, that, that is one of my favorite movies from this year, so I can't wait to fucking talk about that shit. Um, (laughs) But, uh, for now, uh, this is uh, the Johnny Jaws cast, I'm uh, Johnny Whore, and with me, my best pal, be right, Calvert, and uh, we yeah, will uh, see you, motherfuckers, on the flip side. Adios, muchachos. <laughs>